Good morning. Uh, there we go. That's a, so we had some good songs this morning, so you guys should be uh, lively and awake by now. Um, well, in case you didn't know, my name is Ryan. I'm wearing a name tag for you all because some of you may not know who I am. So, um, But I am run, wearing this for a couple reasons. Uh, one, we're trying to encourage people to wear name tags in the church so that when people come to the door, they can say, oh, that's Ryan, or that's Suzette, or that's so-and-so. So that helps people because, like me, when I have a new person come through, I hear their name, shake their hand, and then I have to remember, what was their name again? And if that's on my side, then I know on their side they're thinking, I just met a lot of people, and it's great if they have their, their name there. So that's what we're trying to do, encourage you. Uh, if you are in a volunteer role of some kind, you're welcoming people as they come through the door, those types of things, uh, it's great to have a name tag so that people can know your name. Because you know what everybody's favorite word is? Well, scientifically proven, I guess, as I've studied about it. Russ, yes. It's your own name. That's everybody's favorite word. So if people can come up to you and say your name, you're like, they care. So there you go. Um, but no, it is helpful for people to, to know your name so they don't have to go, hey, you, or something like that. Well, we are going to be talking about leadership residency today, and so uh, as we do, we're going to be a little, it's going to be a little different. We've gotten, um, well, we finished up our, our series on Esther, and we're going to be going next week, I'm excited about this, going, going into Jonah, starting next week and doing a mini-series on that for four weeks, we're going to be looking at the story of Jonah. It's got four chapters, so a chapter a week, uh, going through that, and that in, it really, in reality, is going to prepare us for next year. Next year, we are focusing on reaching out. And as we think about reaching out as, as a church, we want to be a church that cares about our community, that loves them, and the best way we love people is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. Because that is the greatest hope that anybody has. And so we want to be thinking about different ways we could be reaching out to our community, one-on-one -on -one with people you already know, um, in our community with people you may not even know yet, how we can be doing that in an effective way, and then how we can disciple them. And so it does kind of tie into this whole idea with leadership residency, uh, but we're going to be talking more about that today and what that looks like. So next week's Jonah, today is just talking about our leadership residency. So many of you know Josh Carpenter, if you haven't met him, you'll meet him here in a little bit because he's going to come up and share a little bit, uh, just his experience through the residency program. And then I'm going to come up afterwards and fill in um, basically what we do as a church to help prepare people to go out and do ministry. And so um, I'll, I'll give you some biblical reasons why we do it and then go through some of the things that we've put into place to help this. Uh, we're passionate about this. We think it's important. When we planted Involved Church, when we started Involved Church, we wanted to be a church that multiplies and plants other churches or helps in planting any way we can be involved in it. We wanted to be involved. And so one of the things that became really clear as we started this process, so we started looking at more church plants, whether it's in the Treasure Valley, Northwest, or all throughout the country, is that we can get locations. And you can even get people that will say, yes, I'm ready to go out and, and help plant a church. The difficulty is getting people to lead it. And so there is a uh, kind of a... We might even call it a crisis, but I think it's, it's coming uh, in the next 10 to 20 years where we're going to see a pretty big vacuum 
as far as leadership in churches. And so we want to be um, part of the solution to helping prepare people to go out and lead churches and lead them well. So you can go and lead, but we want to have people lead churches well. So we, uh, in cooperation with the General Association of Regular Baptist Churches and with our association, Baptist Network Northwest, um, we started this leadership residency program. Hope to see it continue, but we also have some new things that I want to be able to throw out there today as well. So it's a pretty exciting day. I'm excited to be able to share some of these things. I hope you are too. Uh, I hope that you get passionate about this as we are passionate about that. Uh, about this. But for now, what I'm going to have is Josh come out and, gosh, come up. He's going out, but he's coming up today uh, to share about his experience here at Involved Church with the residency program. So Josh, come on up and we'll give you a microphone here and you can tell them how horrible it is to work with Luke and I. So Thanks, Ryan. <clears throat> totally not going to do that. Um, Hey, I'm Josh. I'm not wearing a spiffy name tag. Sorry. I'm like one of the persons he's talking about. You need to wear a name tag, so got to get me one of those. But I want to talk a little bit this morning about how thankful I am to our church, to Involve Church for having my family and I here for the residency. I also want to tell you guys some lessons that I've learned. Um, first, I have a question for you, though. How much coffee can be drank if you put me, Ryan, Luke, and Dan in the same room? I don't know. But it's a lot. Like, it's like a ton, <laughs> okay? Um, I also just want to proclaim that I can create a lot of awkward in that room. So uh, there's like a lot of laughs. So some really good times in that, in that context in staff meeting. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you to this whole church, to our whole church, to involve. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I'd like to thank all the elders. You served as an elder here in the year we were here. Thank you so much for all that you did for us. We really appreciate all the hard work you you went through to, uh, to train us and to teach us and to then send us out. I wanted to say thank you to all the deacons for all the hard work that you do and for um, just befriending us and doing life with us. Thank you, deacons. And thank you to all the volunteers. Really, I learned a lot from you guys, uh, especially to guys like Drew who start new ministries in prayer. Just amazing stuff. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We want to be very, very clear on that. Did I learn? <laughs> I've summed it up to half a page and my spiffy notebook here, okay? No, you, I could probably go pages and pages and pages on what I learned, but there's some key things that I wanted to share with you guys that I really believe are like part of the DNA of our church, that no matter where I go and no matter what our family's doing, we have this DNA in us, and we're going to take it to other churches. So the first is the importance of life group, okay? If you're not in a life group, get in a life group, okay? Life groups are amazing, what is not more amazing than a bunch of people just getting around God's word together and doing life together? I mean, our life group, it started off as kind of like a nice thing to do, and I, I loved life groups before, right? But what it became is like a family, you know? If you're just going to move like halfway across the United States, guess who steps up to help you move? Someone in your life group. Yeah, right? If you don't have anywhere to go on Christmas, um, because you're like miles away from family, who invites you over? Your life group. I ate a bunch of subpar Chinese food on Lance Green's couch for Christmas, and it was amazing. <laughs> okay, I loved it. I have no idea where it's from because I probably don't want to go back there. <laughs> but I loved being in Lance's house. That was really awesome. Um, he put all of his dangerous knives away for when my kids came over, so that was appreciated too, right? The fact of the matter is, 
and the ups and downs of life, which my family's had, which I've had, which we all have, the life group is there for you to be that family in Christ that Jesus died for on the cross to enable us to be in the gospel, right? Life groups, be in one, okay? All right, uh, the second is, um, one thing I really got out of this residency was time to define what it means to follow Jesus. Time to define what it means to be a discipleship, excuse me, a disciple of Jesus. So thank you, Luke and Ryan, for enabling me to have that time. And what I've boiled that down to is that Jesus cares about my personal life. He cares what I do when people are around people and when people are not around. Jesus cares about preaching. He cares about how I respond to the preaching of God's word. He cares about that. Jesus is life. That's basically discipleship. And if I wouldn't have come here, I wouldn't have had the time to walk through that. So thank you so much for helping me to do that. The third thing I've learned in this residency is just how important marriage and family is. I want to thank a lot of you couples for modeling that for my wife and I. Um, I, don't, I think we've logged the most nights my wife and I have just sat together and prayed together. That's amazing. If, if I get nothing else out of this residency but that Laura and I are, are getting together every night and praying for one another, praying together, that's an amazing lesson. That's an amazing practice to start. Uh, we've, had so, we've developed this that my kids love. Um, they call it watching Jesus, but it's really where I get like a Bible story out. <laughs> And we go through this Bible story together. We've, we've been doing that every night together, whether it's myself, my wife, or all of us. And just to have that family time around the Word, the prayer time and marriage together, those are two amazing lessons right there, two amazing um, things to live out. And really what we've seen the importance of in all this is authenticity. That's something that's in the DNA of Involve, is what does it authentically mean to be involved in Jesus and have him involved in you? Another thing I've learned, uh, expectations in ministry. Thank you guys so much for all that you do for volunteering. And I, I think back to, to sports camp and how we put flyers like on every single door, except the ones that said no soliciting, right? <laughs> we just gave them to them as they were standing outside, right? Um, but man, I remember thinking, God, how many kids are you going to bring? And are we ready for this? And the fact of the matter is God's ready for that, okay? God is ready. The question is, are we going to get ready with him? And I just praise him for bringing over 100 kids to, to our sports camp. So let's, like, praise Jesus right now. Let's celebrate for how he did. 100 kids in Nampa heard the gospel because God worked through our church, through Involved Church. Um, I, I want to share one quick story with you uh, that happened during sports camp that I don't think I've told before in, in this audience. I remember that we're doing sports camp, and we had a lot going on that week. There was, like, people doing construction all around, and probably should stop there. Okay, so uh, I remember one of the construction workers, like, hard hat and, like, safety vest and all started, like, walking toward me in, like, the, the leader booth, right? And I'm thinking, oh, man, he's going to, like, tell us to leave. He's going to tell us we have to stop and get out of here. And he's got his, like, shades on. He's, like, looking, like, really intimidated. Intimidating. I, I looked intimidated, okay? <laughs> and I remember he, like, approaches where I'm standing, and he goes, hey, are you in charge here? I'm like, kind of, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, I just wanted to know if I could have a flyer. And I'm like, yeah, sure, definitely. He's like, man, my daughter is sitting at home right now, and I'd love to see her get into something like this. He's like, I've been watching you guys for the past few days and listening to what you've been doing, and, and I really want to get my daughter into this. So that's just an awesome way that God worked through through all of us in that. So don't end, underestimate God, okay? 
Uh, the last thing, and definitely not uh, exhaustive, but the last thing I want to want to bring up here and say that I learned was just what a solid partnership looks like in ministry, um, what solid pastoral ministry looks like, and getting to be in the office most days with Luke and with Ryan, um, that's what it looks like. So if you watch Luke and Ryan, God has been so good to our church, God has been so good to them, and I praise God for what happens in their partnership, and I hope one day to have a partnership like that in ministry. So, um, like I said, no, no matter where we're going, no matter where we find ourselves, uh, part of this DNA we have from Involve is going to now go out. And I want you to ask yourself, could this residency thing be for me? Maybe this is the next step that God is calling to me or me and my family in our step of faith. Uh, in closing, I just want to say that uh, though we're joyful, happy, delighted to go on to other uh, ministry experiences, wherever they may be, uh, you know, Lord willing, in, in, Ida, in Iowa, right? Not Idaho, we've already been there. So, uh, in Iowa, um, we're mourning, in a sense. And we're mourning leaving our church family here at Involve. So, uh, like I said, thank you so much, you guys, for all that you've taught me. And um, I just praise God that we got to spend this time with you. And like I've told you guys that I know I'm not dying, so, like, I can come back, you know, and say hi. Uh, so uh, thank you so much for the time we spent together, and I hope to share many stories of how God's working through me and our family and hear God about God working through you, okay? Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate that and all the nice things you had to say about us. Um, we did enjoy... And have enjoyed our time with Josh. Uh, he definitely adds uh, a different flavor to our office, so we're going to miss some of that. Uh, you can hear it. Um, he's got a good sense of humor, and so we will definitely miss, miss Josh around. Um, as we look forward, we want to basically answer the question, why do we have this leadership residency program? What's the future of it? Uh, if you remember going back about 18 months, we purchased a facility, and in that facility we have, actually it's almost two years now, I guess, but we purchased a facility and it has a, a living quarters in it. And so part of our desire with that was that we could open it up and have residents come, see what we're doing, learn a few things um, in the way or on the way, and then we'd be able to, to send them back out. And so we want to be a church that trains up and sends people out. Now that may sound a little different than, than some church experiences you've had in the past, because oftentimes churches kind of function with this idea of we want to just pull people in and pull people in. And there certainly is a sense in which we want to see people come to faith in Christ and come into the church and be discipled. But if we're doing a good job of discipling people, they won't just grow and stop. They'll grow, and then they're going to have a desire to, to go out, whether it's doing ministry here at Involve and getting plugged into leadership here, or whether it's going out into another area uh, in the Treasure Valley or to another state or to another con or country, even, uh, different missions and so forth, it, you know, they could, they could be used by God to go out. And so we really want to be a church that sends people out. And so we're excited to be able to have the carpenters um, here with us for a while and then see them be sent out. And yeah, they're going to go halfway across the country um, to, to Iowa uh, but they're still doing ministry. 
and they're still pointing people to Christ. So we get that idea from this passage. Let's go to it, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. It says this, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Paul here is talking to Timothy, and Paul who, who discipled Timothy and raised Timothy, well, basically trained him in, in the truth and in the gospel and in doctrine and in pastoring and shepherding and all of that. He's saying to Timothy, be strong, and what you have then heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul says to one of his disciples, take other people and disciple them so that they can train others. And then this pattern is put into place that when you train them, they'll train others. And when you train them, they'll train others. And 2,000 years later, we're still continuing this same pattern today. And so you see it there lived out for us in Scripture, and it's told to us, I think, very clearly that this is the pattern we ought to see. And I think churches in some ways have gotten to a point where we say, hey, let's, let's have our kids grow up in, in our church, let's have them go through youth, and then we're going to send them away and hope they do okay. And, and sometimes that happens, and I'm not saying that's wrong or anything, but we send them away. Maybe we send them to a Bible school, a Bible institute, and we hope that they will in turn get into a church and lead and maybe, um, who knows, be in leadership, maybe a pastor, maybe help church, those types of things. We also know that we can take somebody who is growing up, getting into college, and disciple them into ministry right here in our own church as well. And so that's something that we want to spend a little bit more time focusing on and we know that there are a lot of methods and strategies on how to disciple people into the next step, but we think it, it, as time goes by in the future, what we see happening is that the local church is going to have to take a greater role in discipling people to that next step. And that's what we're going to be talking about as we move forward. So here's uh, on our website, and it's, it's kind of, it's not like out there publicly, but if you want to know a little bit more about it, you go to involvechurch.com slash residency, and you'll get to a, a site that will actually show you a little bit about what we're talking about here. So you can go there if you want, but one of the things we talk about is how we are enhancing the capacity of emerging leaders. And we want to, again, disciple and train emerging leaders to grow and, and extend their capacity so that they can be better leaders for the future. So that's what we're going to be going through as we uh, talk this morning, I just want to point out a few things that we're trying to do and then ask you to, to help us be involved in this process, all right? So it's a little bit of, we're not going into, you know, a passage and, and working through it so much. I'm giving you information. I hope that you, again, get excited about it and are passionate about it because I think this really will have a great impact on our church and hopefully other churches down the road as well. So we'll try to kind of cruise through this and then I will give us some, some real practical application on what it looks like. Our purpose, what are we doing? We're trying to develop leaders to plant and revitalize churches. And I think that can even be extended a little bit further to say, hey, we want to do more than just that. We'll do existing churches, anybody who's going into ministry, missions, and so forth, we would take and say, hey, let's help train. But certainly when we first started this, we were looking specifically at those who would plant and revitalize churches. This includes equipping leaders to reproduce disciples, leaders, and groups. Our goal is to develop and deploy a new generation of leaders. In other words, there's a generation that's going to come to an end eventually. 
And this is why I think there's a crisis kind of among us. If you start looking around at churches in our country, ask yourself where those pastors will be in 10 or 20 years from now. That's not to say, oh, it's just all older generation, but, but look around to a lot of churches. A lot of our churches in 10 to 20 years won't have a pastor. Who's going to step in? So that's, that's what we're looking at, and that's what we're identifying and saying, okay, churches in our own communities that are existing right now are going to have an issue. What about planting churches? And so we want to ask that question, how can we help this, this new generation of leaders who can lead gospel transformation in our churches and communities? So we don't just want to have people that can, can help lead like a business or an organization. They need to be gospel-centered, transformational. They need to be able to take and help somebody grow and transform into Christ. And so that's our purpose. That's what we want to do. So here's a vision. Sometimes you throw big visions out there and you hope and you pray and you ask God to bless it. Here's what we want to do. We want to ignite a movement of leadership development within the BNN. Now, BNN, you might go, what in the world is that? BNN stands for Baptist Network Northwest. Um, We are, I'll say this first of all, we are a non-denominational church but we associate with like-minded churches, okay? By non-denominational, I mean that there's no hierarchy over us. We are an independent church. So we don't have any governing authority over our church other than Christ, okay? And then we have a group of elders, and we have deacons, and the church that votes on, on things. So we are, um, the, the long term for it is autonomous. We are autonomous as far as a church goes. Uh, But we have an association of churches throughout the Northwest who are like-minded and are trying to accomplish the same thing. And so uh, we want to take that association and and train 60 qualified pastors and church planners, and that might seem like a lot within the next 20 years. But the idea is, hey, if there's 20 churches that come on board, then how many is that per church? That's three, right? That's not that many at that point. If there's 10 that come on board, then that's six in the next 20 years. So when you start thinking of it that way, uh, it doesn't seem like so many. So that's the vision we want to put out there. Uh, It's one of the reasons why for both Luke and I, we're we're part of the BNN, we're part of another organization called General Association of Regular Baptist Churches, which is all across the U.S., because we think that together we can accomplish more. And so we're working with other churches to try to do what we can to get people out there and, and grow and disciple and train more and more people for leadership in the future. There's a strategy behind this. Uh, we want to establish 25 churches that are healthy, gospel-preaching, Bible-believing churches with a distinctly outward focus on reaching the lost within 20 years. So, 25 new churches plus the churches we already have. So, you might say, well, hey, you're, you're raising up 60 people. Why not 60? Well, there's going to be some that probably go into existing churches. There may be some that don't go into church ministry. So if we could take at least 25 and take some and and help plant churches, that'd be great. So the carpenters are going to Iowa, and they're going to help plant a church there. So that's one that we directly have been uh, involved in. And if they go, and this is kind of the way it works, this is the multiplication process, right? If they then, after they get one planted, say, hey, we're going to help develop and plant another church, then that's two indirectly. And that's kind of the way the, the movement is set up to work. 
And so that's what we're looking at doing is trying to, you know, not ourselves necessarily plant 25 churches, but within that association or within churches that we plant that would actually help plant other churches as well. All right? Is all that making sense? Okay, we got two people that make sense too. So, all right, that's good. That's a start anyhow. So you two be ready to answer all the questions everybody else has. So. Uh, here's the other strategy. We want to partner with mission agencies, so we're not alone in this, and like-minded churches or associations, which I just talked about, to financially support church planter residencies. So it's, it's, it can be expensive, and we've done this uh, with the Carpenters. We have a $1,000 a month grant that came for 12 months, and so they were able to get that as well as we were able to supply them a living quarters and utilities. So together they have a little bit you know, to, to work with there. And then Josh was able to pick up some hours, and I think uh, Laura was able to pick up some, some side jobs as well to help. And then they could also raise support, and that would come through involved church through personal support. So there's a lot of different ways that we can partner together to help do this and raise financial support. We want to provide financial support. This is us personally for residency, depending on current financial situation of the church. Again, I just talk, kind of talked about that. We do that through mainly through our um, our, our residency, our resident there at the ITC, but other options as well people can give through the church. And then we want to provide ministry practicum support for residents. So whether that's helping them lead a life group or whether that's um, helping them with sports camp or something like that, giving them something that they can, can work on and then we can uh, work alongside with them. We want to partner with <coughs> excuse me, educational institutions that offer intern or residency programs. So this is just kind of telling you how we would get residents coming into the church. Um, I just last, well, two weeks ago, I guess, went over to Montana Bible College. Um, some of you may not even know that place exists, and it's kind of a newer college that I'm familiar with now. Um, and, and they're trying to raise up uh, people for ministry and missions and so forth. And so that is one that quite possibly down the road, we could see them maybe sending a, an intern here and, and we could help with, or we could work with them in some way. And then as we, we work through this, we'll continually evaluate and make improvements, uh, hopefully making that residency program better and better as we go forward. Well, when we find a, a, an intern, what do we look for? How do you know, okay, this is a person that we want to have as an intern here, or how do we know that this is a person we'd even want to send out? And so I'll give you two key words. We look for someone who's just faithful and fruitful, Okay. Now, those are kind of Christianese-type terms. I think if you were to say it out in the, uh, the, the public, they'd be like, faithful and fruitful. Like, what do they do, raise fruits or what? Um, no, in, in, Christian, in the Christian world, we, we automatically think fruitful. Okay, there's some spiritual fruit there. The Bible talks about that. And that is the idea. Faithful can mean probably a lot of different things to people. Um, but the idea, and, and somewhere along the way, one of the things that I will do with, with any kind of a resident intern or somebody coming up is I'll, I'll sit down and give them my speech. And this is something my kids always hate. My daughter, especially Emily, my oldest, she's like, oh, great, Dad has a speech for me. Um, but I always have to have, you know, that, that father-daughter, father-son speech. Well, this is kind of like the, the pastor intern, pastor residency speech. But, but what I like to tell guys or anybody who's going into ministry, men and women, um, is this, that as you go in, first and foremost, you need to make sure your relationship with Christ is good, solid, growing, whatever term you want to put in there, that you are maturing and growing in your relationship with Christ. 
That is your first priority, the most important thing. Secondly, somewhere along the way, you, this may come out or I'll do it all at once. Secondly, your relationship with your family has to be priority. And there's a re reason I put those two at the top. I think you can go through Scripture and you can see it pretty clearly. And certainly I've seen it throughout the life of churches all across America. And that is the quickest way to destroy a leader, quickest way to destroy a pastor, quickest way to destroy a church is to impact those two things. If you can take a, a leader off of Christ, take their eyes off of Christ and put it on something else, they'll get distracted and the church will follow. If you can uh, keep that leader from developing and growing their family and spending time with their family and loving their family, then that leader will fail or that family will fail. And God's Word makes it really clear. If you can't manage your own household, you can't manage a church. And so those two things are really important, and Satan will attack those two things right away. So then the third thing is ministry. So faithfulness is being faithful to your own relationship with God, being faithful to your family, and then being faithful to ministry. Those three things. So that's kind of what we look for in, in people. That's what we look for in, in uh, you know, helping people grow in their relationship with Christ and helping them grow as a leader. And so I can say that that's probably some of the things that we worked uh, with, with Josh. Not that he wasn't when he came here. I don't mean to say that, but just kind of hitting on those things over and over again. And, and I'm pleased to say, I think Josh responded. I know there's some, some hard conversations that come up at times. And Josh was faithful to continue asking questions and was faithful to, to pray with us and faithful to discuss those things. And when there were some hard things said, he didn't just say, fine, I'm done and I'm out of here. So I appreciate that, Josh that you, you kept coming back, you kept learning, you kept growing through those things. So we look for faithfulness. And then it needs to be fruitful, okay? So, and I think the two kind of go hand in hand. If you're faithful, I think there's going to be some fruit that's born. But uh, they need to be, be fruitful, meaning that they've actually done some things and it's yielded some spiritual growth in other people. And so you look for that as you're looking for leadership development. And so as we try to give, you know, opportunities for guys like uh, Josh, you know, here's a life group you can be working with, you can be discipling people, you can be leading um, sports camp. Is there fruit there? Yeah, there's fruit there. There's growth there. Good. That's, that's what we need to see more and more. So those two things are what we look for as we try to, to train and lead people. So I hope that kind of helped clear it up. Well, a great passage for this is just out of Matthew 24. 45 to 47, it says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give them food at the proper time? Blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. And this is Jesus talking, giving an analogy and says, hey, in the real world, it's the same way. When you see somebody who's faithful and when you see somebody who's fruitful, you'll give them more responsibility. It's the same in leading and pastoring and guiding and shepherding a church. If you're faithful with a little, God gives you more. If you're faithful and fruitful, God will continue to increase. And so that's the idea behind why we look for those two things, being faithful and fruitful. So now you know kind of what at least we're looking for when we bring people in. These are the things we ask before we even bring them into the residency to get them that far. And then goals for residents. Okay, we want to place residents in a local church or church plant with an outward-focused environment that exposes them to effective outreach practices. 
So we take somebody and say, hey, we'd like you to come into this church because we are a church that wants to go out into the community and reach out, and we hope to give you a good experience with that. We want to help the residents confirm their calling to plant or revitalize a church. And so as we, we walk through the process, we ask questions, is this really what you want to do? Maybe even uh, throw some scenarios out there that don't sound so good because sometimes playing a church isn't all that exciting. It sounds exciting. You can read books that make it exciting. But then when you start to actually go through the process, it's like, wow, this is a lot of work. And so uh, we want to confirm that calling. And some days, and I'll be honest, as, as a pastor, some days the only thing that keeps me moving forward as a pastor and shepherding and leading a church is that I know that's what God wants me to do. It's not because I've been given a lot of compliments. It's not because people give me goosebumps when they come up and say, oh, Pastor Ryan, we like you. It's not because, you know, um, sometimes you know, there are those times when people come up and say, Pastor Ryan, we don't like you. And so you still have to move forward and say, okay, why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing this because I believe it's what God wants me to do. And so we want to confirm that and help continue to, to move people forward, help continue to develop that calling in people's lives. We want to provide resident with experience in evangelism, small group development. We've talked a little bit about this, reproduction, leadership development, and so forth. Um, so they have real hands-on opportunities in some of those areas. We want to elevate their competency for leading, so growing, not just say, okay, this is where you're at when you come in, it's where we're going to keep you. No, we want to continue to see that grow. And then we want to identify, evaluate, and affirm gifts, strengths, and abilities so that we can say, yes, this is something that you can go out and do. So with Josh, and I don't think, I don't think this is a secret, so I think you know this, Josh um, came in, and I think what he's decided to do is go out and help another church plant rather than lead a church plant. And so he is going to work with another guy who's going to be the lead church planner. So just kind of as Josh comes in, evaluating, okay, who he is, where he is, how is his skills fit at this point with somebody else. And so that's kind of the conclusion that we came up with. And then God opened some doors up, and that's, that's the direction he's going. So that's some of the things that we try to do when people come in, evaluate that, and just see, okay, what is a good fit? And how can we encourage that fit? We want to learn how to integrate theology or help them learn how to integrate theology and practice in a manner that is relevant to the cultural context. Okay, so, so not just theology and not just practice, but really bringing the two together. How does God's Word play out in your culture, in the church, in church planting, and so forth? And then this last one is, I think, is really important to remind us of. While our goal is to help connect residents to a ministry opportunity like Des Moines, Iowa, or some other place, upon re completion of residency, I want you to know as a church that we cannot promise those types of things, Right? Uh, we can be praying for that. We can be asking God, okay, which direction would you like to take a resident to? But we can't promise those things. So as we have residents come in, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to go through this today, as we have residents coming in, you may say, hey, that's, that's a, a great resident for going out and planting a church. Can we go out and plant a church with them? Maybe we can. Let's see what God does. Or maybe we don't. Maybe they go to Des Moines, Iowa. Maybe they go up to Washington. Maybe they plant in Boise. Uh, and so some of you know, like, Dan Russell is working on planting in Garden City. And he's, he's kind of taken a little bit different path rather than, like, a one-year residency. He's taken, like, the 10-year plan or something. No, five-year, three-year, five-year, something. But he's got it worked out. But he has, he has a, a plan that he's working on. And I don't mean to say that 
in a negative way. It's just, it's the way God works, doesn't it, Dan? It's like you think you have it like all mapped out and then some things happen in a different order. But he is working on it. And so we, we pray with Dan, we support him in those efforts and try to encourage him in any way we can with that. So those are some of the things as far as residency that I wanted to share with you. So it hopefully makes some sense. If you're new with us here today, you're like, I've never been here. Do these guys always talk about this kind of stuff? No, we normally go through a passage of Scripture. But this, I think, is helpful for our church where we are right now as we think about the carpenters who we've gotten to know for a little over a year. And we, we think about their next step. And we think about our next step as a church and what we're going to be doing. So I kind of want to roll out, take a, a couple more minutes here and roll out something that I think is somewhat exciting and maybe uh, exciting for you and you might be interested in. And that's this three-phase leadership development plan that we're starting to, to talk about some more in our church. So this is kind of in the developmental stages, but I think we're starting to get a good grasp of what it looks like. Um, three phases to help us go from a leader or to help us go from somebody that's just sitting in a, you know, in a chair, maybe showing up here for the first time or something like that, to possibly planning a church down the road. What would that look like for you? To like, oh, I wouldn't mind maybe planning a church. What would it look like for you to go from where you are today to there? Or maybe you're like, I would just like to be in leadership. Or I'd like to, you know, volunteer to do certain things. How, how could I do that? What do I need to do? And so maybe this will help in that process. Phase one, uh, we're looking at doing kind of like a 12-month leadership development for men and women interested in church leadership. So we have deacons and elders, and in our church we have men that are deacons and elders, and then we have other uh, capacity, other leadership, um, you know, roles that men and women can be involved in, team leaders, coordinators, and so forth, that can help do the work in the church. So there's a 12-month leadership development for men and women interested in church leadership. And what we're thinking is like a three hours on, on a Saturday once a month for, for 12 months, you would go through, read some scripture, look at some different books, look at some different ideas on what church leadership is, and then we just walk through that together for 12 months. And, uh, and by the end, I think you'd have a good grasp on, on what it means to be a leader according to God's word. So that's the phase one. Okay. Phase two would be a three-year intensive study for people pursuing a vocational type of ministry. So let's say you get done with the 12 months, the phase one, and you're like, okay, this is great. I want to be in church leadership or something like that. Great. Okay, you've got phase one done. Well, now you have somebody who says, hey, I'd like to go into church ministry of some kind. I'd like to be vocational, bivocational, or I just want to, to know and have more confidence in how I lead people. And so you say, okay, let's do a three-year intensive study for people pursuing that type of ministry. And so we would go through some more education, and there's a couple options out there that we're looking at, whether we do a lot of the training and educating ourselves or whether we go to an online program. There's a lot of different ways we can do that. And so that would be three years of that as well as um, being able to, well, three years, you know how school goes, plus or minus, right? Um, usually plus. But, but usually, you know, that, that three-year program, we could take people through, do some more training, and then um, hopefully give them some real practical ministry that they can do in that process. By the way, um, just to let you know, phase two, we have at least one person I'd love to start doing this with right now, possibly two uh, down the road that I think could be plugged into this. The problem with phase two is it's kind of a little pricey. It's a little more expensive because you're trying to get somebody in who's going to have some time 
to not only uh, be trained and to develop this, but also have maybe a family or be in ministry and those types of things. And so it would come with a little bit of a cost for us to be able to do that. So you could be praying for it. I think this would be a great opportunity for, for people to go through. And like I say, there's, there's one that hopefully you'll be hearing more about uh, in the upcoming uh, weeks on that, on phase two. Phase three would be basically what uh, just Josh and Laura went through, and that's that one year of intense residency for those uh, ready to, to pastor, plant a church, or head out onto the mission field. And so it could be uh, that you get run, done with phase two, and you're able to just step into like more of a full-time position, and you're going to get more on-the-job training. Or it could be, yeah, I'm going to take that one-year extra residency program and kind of final, um, just finish off some of these, these final touches, and then hopefully after that be able to go out and plant a church or help revitalize and that sort of thing. So that's, that's the three different phases we hope to start implementing as we look at leadership development. development. Con- concluding thoughts. Okay, there's a bunch of information. Like I say, you can go to the website. You'll get a little bit more of that as well, and you'll hear more about those three phases coming up in the days ahead. But I want to conclude with a few things and a few challenges for all of us. One, there is a shortage of church leaders across the United States. We need to do our part to help fill churches with faithful and fruitful leadership, okay? Um, Just at Montana Bible College, just shared that with you guys. They are, he would say, uh, the the president there told us, they are training on average about four to five pastors a year that they would say, yes, they can go out and pastor a church, okay? Um, He said, as of last year, uh, in, the, in the last year, he's had 27 calls from churches looking for pastors. So here he has 27 churches looking, and he's got about four to five that are ready to go lead. So that gives you a good idea of, of how, uh, how many leaders were missing in churches. We want to be part of the solution to that. Now, I don't think we're going to be able to turn out 30 a year. That would be awesome if God does that. Uh, down the road, but, but hey, if you could just put one out there, two out there, whatever it'd be, uh, we need, we need to, to answer that call. I think it's a responsibility we have, First Timothy 2. We are to train those who are coming up under us in the next generation. When we help to develop church leaders for other churches, we are taking our eyes off ourselves and putting it on other, others. <clears throat> this was a goal of ours from the get-go. We want it to continue to be a goal that as we develop and train other leaders for ministry, we want to take our eyes off of ourselves and we want to put it on other people. We want to put it on other churches, other ministries. It's not just about us involved church. It's about seeing people come to Christ. And so if we can effectively help other churches be planted, uh, great, that's awesome. Let's take people, let's train them, let's send them out. So involved church, we want to see people come in discipled, grow, and if God calls them to go out and do other, other ministries, we want to rejoice with that and be excited that they can go out and do that as well. So it's our time to respond. A couple questions as we just reflect on some of these things. One, how can you support leadership development through Involved Church? Uh, it could be that maybe you know somebody's like, hey, I know somebody who would like to come in and, and maybe get some of this kind of training. Then, you know, let us know. We'll talk to them. 
Um, a lot of this takes financial support. Maybe you're like, hey, I can help in some way financially support this type of training. That would be awesome too. Uh, we are a church right now that's still mission supported. Um, we, we are not completely on our own as far as we don't have, what that means is we don't have enough offerings coming in to pay our bills at this point. So we still have outside organizations that help us along the way. We would love to get to that point, and then we would love to have a little bit more so that we could really focus more on helping develop and train leaders. But it is expensive. And so, um, honestly, what that takes is probably just more people at this point. More people to say, yeah, I, I like what you guys are doing. We'll come in. We'll help support it. And, and so we need financial help to do it as well. So that's one. We need prayer support. Be praying for this. Uh, and so these are a lot of things that we need that I think any of us can respond to and support that leadership development. And then this question, is God calling you into some type of leadership in the church? If He is, make a commitment to talk to the leadership team at Involve. So maybe you're saying, well, I wouldn't mind knowing more information. Then today, make that commitment. Follow up on it. Okay, I don't know what God's doing in your heart and life unless you actually say something. And so you might just say, you know what, I'd like to be more involved. I'd like that 12-month idea. I'd love to, to know more about that, when that's going to start, how I can get plugged in, and, and those types of things. And uh, both Luke and I will talk to you about it. If you want to go talk to one of the elders, you can talk to them about it. And we can, uh, we can start talking about what that looks like. Um, so how would you like to make that commitment? And, and then we'll respond to that. Well, I hope that that gives you some, uh, a better indication of what we're doing with our leadership program uh, we're looking forward to being able to spend some time with, with Josh and Laura. Uh, we appreciate Josh and Laura and the time that they've, they've been here. Uh, they've helped us out in a lot of ways. Josh has been able to preach a few times. I know it's always been encouraging to hear what, what God's been laying on his heart. Um, they've helped us at the ITC, doing some work remodeling there, so that's a big help. Sports camp, obviously, life groups. So uh, the time he's been here has been valuable, and we appreciate you guys and what you've done. So thank you for, for doing that. Well, think about these things, and we'll give you a couple minutes to respond, and then we'll, we'll close with a few um, more thoughts and singing here at the end.